Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. Well, good morning. I hope you guys are all doing well. Yeah, well, why don't we actually greet one another? Actually, your family. You know, how many times you really meaningly greeting your family, your husband and your, your wife, your kids, right? It's like, hi, bye, mom. You know, I'm, you came. I'm here. I'm home. So how about to turn to your family? And, you know, if you are on Facebook right now, just say really meaningful and loving greetings to our family by saying, peace be with you. Can we say that? Peace be with you. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad you have joined our live streaming service on this Sunday morning, the God's day that God has, you know, separated from the others week so that we can come before him and worship our God. You know, I do really miss you guys being here in the house of the Lord. I really hope and pray by the beginning of, you know, September when our fall begins and I'll be able to, we'll all be able to come here in the house of the Lord and worship our God together, continue to pray for me, continue to pray for our leadership as we're faithfully finding the very best way, safest way, have you guys come here and worshiping our God all together. Now, we have been studying this life of Joseph, right? And our sermon series title has been the journey through the life of Joseph. I don't know about you, but as I was reading it again, as I was studying the story about Joseph, very famous story, everybody knows this, what all the story is about. As I was restudying and rereading the, this passage again, and I was really encouraged. How many of you really read this and then find yourself really encouraged? I think that's why God put Joseph in here and the part of the story at the beginning of the Bible, to teach you, to teach me about, you know what? Joseph is worse than you. If you can relate to Joseph about the power that I have for him, the same power is giving that I'm giving you right now. Think about that. Joseph was born in dysfunctional family. Joseph was betrayed by his own brothers. Joseph himself also had some limit. And Joseph had been through a lot, pretty much the lows of the lows of the low, all the difficult problems. And I'm sure that most of us, if not all of us, just look at your life. Probably we're better than what Joseph had been through. Can I get amen? Can I say that the reason that God put this story of Joseph through the scriber, perhaps it's Moses, and perhaps it's Moses, is because God wants you to give you the words of encouragement. It's not about who you are. It's not about where you came from. It's not about what kind of family that you were born and grew up. It is about I am that is in you. It is about I am that is in charge of your life. That's why as I was studying this story of Joseph, I found it extremely, extremely encouraging. Because my circumstance, even though I had gone through a lot through my surgery, all through my studies, all through my pastor right here, and my life has much better than Joseph. Right? Think about that. I hope as we continue to study this series on the life of Joseph, you can really relate to God's heart. I've got you. I'm in charge. Don't worry about it. If 
I could handle Joseph. It can bring him. It's from the low of the low, this down in the pit, up to the second most powerful person in the world, person in the country. I can make you happening for you. I can use you to make the same things in your life. Today, as we continue to look at this portion of Joseph's story, I'd like to actually talk about um, leadership, okay? I'd like to talk on the subject of leadership because more than anything, in a time like this, we need a leadership. Now, I want you to remember and just differentiate it. I'm not talking about leader. I'm not talking about myself. I'm not talking about this, you know, deacons or the leaders of our church. I'm not talking about all those leaders. We are all leader, amen? We are all called to be a leader. It doesn't matter where you are. It's just a matter of where your leadership will be. Can be at school, can be at work, can be at your family, can be at your ministry. But regardless, we are all called to be the leader according to God's plan. I want you to know that as a disclaimer as I begin this message. You know, this world, this world just shout out and praise and hail for all these great leaders who had great, you know, leaders qualification. Let me put it that way. What are the qualifications? What are the criteria of earthly leader? Somebody who speaks well, right? Somebody who has probably strong will. Someone who has a vocal on his or her idea or the area. Someone perhaps have this all multiple degrees have enough or in-depth of knowledge on that area. Or someone who has experienced long, long, long experience upon that area. Those are some of the qualification or criteria that we call as earthly leadership. But can I say that biblical leadership is different? Biblical leadership is quite different from what we just talked about. God doesn't care for about your knowledge. God doesn't care about your experience. Well, God doesn't care where you came from. God doesn't care whether you can speak well or you can probably speak, you know, little duel like Moses did. doesn't matter because the leadership of God is not from you as if from God. Remember that. The center of Joseph's life wasn't about him. It was about God. The same way the center of your life, the leadership of God is not about you and me. It is about our God. This world is just shout out and yelling about this natural leader or born to be the leader or just trained, developed leader. While we as a Christian should shout out spiritual leader. And that's what I want to talk about. I hope you'll be able to get that lesson. I'm not saying this worthy and early leadership is not important. No, but it is important, but comparing to what God's criteria and God's qualification when it comes for him to find his leader, it's quite different. Let's just recap of the story because there is a great lesson that we can find about biblical leadership or a spiritual leader. Okay, well, by this time, Joseph has been sold or born in kind of dysfunctional family, betrayed by his brother, and has been sold as little as 10 to 20 bucks. And he found himself in Egypt, a foreign land. He started serving as a slave. He was doing really well. But the next moment, he was accused by his commanders, his master's wife. The things that he did not do was sent to jail sitting in there for over decades. It looks like his life is over. 
All of a sudden, the next moment, after two years, last two years later of his imprisonment, we find him in front of King Pharaoh, right? And we studied last week about all this interpretation of the dream that King Pharaoh had. King Pharaoh had this, this, this two doubles of the dream that really deeply troubled him. And Joseph came and interpreted that dream. The dream was really important because whole rise and fall of the nation of Egypt were dependent upon the dream. Because we know we read the, read the story through the end. Now, dream was about these two seasons, right? The seven years of abundance, I think, followed by seven years of the severe famine. And Joseph said, after he interpreted this dream, you got to select a leader. You got to have the right person to be in charge because this is such an important project. Have a leader to allocate all different servants so they can go out to each part of the land of Egypt to collect those grains and corpses as much as they can, being stored in the storehouse so that we can survive and make it through for that next severe famine, that seven years of severe famine. And that's when we find here in verse 38 through verse 40 from the book of Genesis chapter 41. We can read it all together. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace. And all my people are to submit your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Amen. All of a sudden that he interpreted the King Pharaoh's dream. That King Pharaoh turned to him after he had his big huddle with his servants and officials. Would you be able to be that guy? Would you be able to be that leader who's going to be the second most powerful person in the nation, nation of Israel? And I think that we can learn the first the, the lesson or principle that God is to seeking out in terms of godly or heavenly or biblical leadership. The first thing is this. You got to have an excellent spirit. Can you say that with me? Excellent spirit. Now verse 38 says this. Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is a spirit of God. Spirit of God. Excellent and spirit. Think about that. That's the difficult. That's the different things, you know. This word, this word leadership is actually shout out and hailing for the spirit of excellency. There's a difference, okay? Spirit of excellency, somebody's doing well. Somebody's always doing well and excelling some of the things. But God is quite different. But he's looking for someone who is in full and excellent spirit. Well, we know the excellent spirit in kind of vague term that that is not the full of Holy Spirit. In that we always just have this mindset, mindful of the spirit is within us. Of course, we can say that. But what are the, some applicable and the practical lessons that we can learn? Unfortunately, we don't really see a lot of the direct lesson from the story of Joseph. But as we kind of turn the Bibles, still in the Old Testament, we find another biblical character. Also called the same title. 
excellent spirit. Do you know who that person is? His name is Daniel. How many of you know the story of Daniel? Wish I can have people just, just raise their hands. The Daniel as a person was in exile and lived in Babylon. Daniel was the one who started as a serving, as a slave and servant. Now he has become the second most important person in the land. By the way, do you see a lot of comments, a lot of similarity between Joseph and Daniel? Right? They all were being exiled or being sold to the different land. Egypt and Babylon. All started as a slave or servant. All interpreted the dreams of the kings. And all eventually, that interpretation of dream led them to become the second most important person in the land of Egypt, in the land of Babylon. Why is that? Why are there are a lot of similarities? And I believe that one of the reasons is that both of them, and Joseph and Daniel, both had spiritual excellency. Both of were just walking their life, not by their own wisdom, not by their own desire, not by, own, not by their own knowledge, but they walked by the Spirit. Remember Galatians chapter 5, right before it talks about all the spiritual fruit, that Paul was kind of urging to people to walk by faith. And that is it, walk by spirit of the faith. That's what's happening here. Both Daniel and both Joseph, they walk by the spirit. That's why they had this excellency in their spirit. Now think about that. What are the kind of the practical things that they did to show this excellency on their spirit? Because both in the place, especially the book of Genesis, story of Joseph, you see that his spirit was so distinctive, this godless people, they can see, they can see this Joseph, this prisoner, and this slave, this servant can be seen as excellency of the spirit. How does that happen? And I believe the practical lesson that we can apply to that is this. Both Daniel and both Joseph, they have reflect on the promise and the character of God. Think about that. Promise of God that came from all the way from the, his great-grandfather. You know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, now Joseph. Think about that. How many times has Jacob has been referring the telling this one of the amazing story to his very beloved son, you know, Joseph. Remember, God had promised from my grandfather Abraham, God will make a nation out of our family. God said, we're going to be increasing. God said, look at all these skies and stars and sands of the seas, right by the seas. And that's we are going to be. And Joseph, hold on to that promise. Joseph constantly reflecting upon the character and promise of God. And I said it before, you know how many times, how many promises of God is in the Bible? Do you know that? It's over 3,000 promises of God. Then think about that. Comparing to Joseph's life and comparing to Daniel's life and comparing to our life. We've got this great proof. We've got this answer sheet. We've got this book that is called the Word of God, that is living and alive. It says that there are three over a thousand promises that I'm going to give it to you if you believe it, if you pray upon it. You see that? The man who is an excellent of the Spirit is somebody who constantly reflects upon the character and the promise of God. 
And I think that the man who also has this excellent spirit is not be a complainer, but to be a doer. Can you say that? Don't be a complainer. How many of you are complainer? Honestly, with you. Okay, how many of you are complaining about your circumstances right now? Oh my God, I can't even get out. Oh, this, this mask is just choking me. <laughs> you know, I mean, my kids, why they are every time and every single moment they're right next to me. I gotta work. How many of you have been finding yourself complaining? I'm speaking to myself right now. But you know, there's someone who is an excellent of the spirit. Who do not be a complainer. Remember that. Just be a doer. I mean, think about that. If somebody probably has a reason to complain about their circumstances, I think it could be Joseph, right? It could be Daniel. Think about Joseph's life. Everything is just exactly this disaster. Everything is exactly against of the dream that he believed that God has given to them. Not only once, but twice. God assured them through this dream, I am going to be the most important person of our nation. But here I am, by myself in the prison. Here I am as a prisoner and as a foreigner and then living in this foreign country. I don't really have any family members. I'm being myself. Oh, he can have all this fallen into self-pity. He can have all these pity parties. But he didn't do that. You know what he did? He's just doing his best. He's just doing his best. Whatever the circumstances that he was facing, it didn't matter. It was a slave work. It didn't matter. It was a prisoner work. It didn't matter. Whatever that works are, Joseph was doing his best. Don't be a complainer, but be a door. You know, another thing that we can find, the trait of this excellent spirit, the person who has excellent spirit, is this. Remember that excellent spirit is something to be developed. Remember this. Excellent spirit is not something that you were born with. Excellent spirit is not something that you, okay, you know what? I have excellent spirit because I am blessed one. No, it has to be developed. Think about that. I know the Bible doesn't say it, but from the just story, hidden story, that's always fun to just speculate and think about the hidden story of the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Think about Joseph's life. Think about Daniel's life. Probably at the beginning, there are probably more of worrying and just being hesitant about what God, what are you up to? Look at me where I am. But remember what Daniel does, right? Remember what Daniel did? He was constantly finding himself a kneel. And praying to the Lord. Whatever that he probably have to make very important decision, interpret the God's, you know, the God-given all this dream. He's been constantly finding himself praying and asking his friend to pray for him. That's it. I believe that through the time of prayer, I believe through this reflection of the character and promise of God, both Daniel, even though this Joseph doesn't say about it, he prayed. But I believe he prayed with his format, whatever the culture and form and context that he is into. Through this, 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 you know, fixing his heart, fixing his mind, through his kind of royalty or sincerity or just sincerity to God. They were able to be developed. All this excellent spirit. Can I say that we are to be developing all this excellent spirit? Amen. When God has given us this all free freedom or free gift of salvation, many people say that, oh, this is it. I am free. I got this ticket. I don't have to be here. I don't have to be developing anything. No. 
That's as if you are saying, my grace, by the way, she's hold, still holding that, uh, you know, the, not, not bottle, but sippy bottle with that ripple on it. So Mina now trying to just, uh, you know, take her away from it. We're still having a hard time. But that's what you're doing. You know, she's already two, but she's still holding that sippy bottle. Okay? You are the 40, 50, 60. You're still holding that bottle. You're still crawling. No. Spirit of excellency is to be developed at day to day by forming and following your spiritual heaven. It could be your devotional time. It could be your prayer time. It could be just a meditation time upon the word of God. Whatever that is, make sure that you have a habit of developing excellent spirit. You know, the second, the lesson that we can learn about the godly leadership, the, the leadership that God is really thinking is this. You got to have the courageous faith. Think about that. This word wants to have some courageous man and woman, right? To be a leader, to make decision, bold decision. You know, just make sure that we we'll just go with, push it through this project. While this world is hailing and shout out for the courageous man and woman, you know, we as a believer of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shout out for someone who has courageous faith. There's a difference. People are to be shout out who's having this courageous faith that is in their life. You know, by this time, the Joseph has been taken in that position, right? And think about that. How many mountains or how many stumble blocks that he had to go through? He was a prisoner. Right now, he's the second most important person or powerful person in the nation of Israel. How about all the other officials, right? Those are just literally born to be a politician. You know how what politician can do, right? Those are just being educated. Those are just being the family of politician. You know, those are in the second and third and fourth or around the King Pharaoh's out of nowhere. This little Hebrew boy, because he was 30 years old, still a boy. 30 years old, a little boy, now taking the second most important, powerful position. I mean, would you be able to just listen to him? No, no. Bible doesn't say it, but I'm sure there are a lot of plots going on. There are a lot of ignorances going on. There are a lot of this, you know, the schemes going on. You know what? I'm not going to listen to him. He's only 30 years old. You know, he was, you know, he was a prisoner, and his, he was not even our own blood and nation. Joseph had a lot to overcome. Not only that, think about that. He didn't really get any proper lessons. I'm sure he didn't even know what parts or what town, what city of Egypt that he had to go to, you know, to gather those grains and corpses. He knew nothing about Egypt and their culture. I know it's probably about, you know, 13 years he got to know a little bit about, but not into the position of the second most important, most powerful in the nation. No. He had a lot of mountain that he had to climb over. He had a lot of stumble block that he is going to face and overcome. But he was able to take that, and he was able to do that really well. Why? Not only because he was courageous, because he had this courageous faith. I mean, for him, really, nothing. He had no ground for his courage, right? He didn't know anything about it. He did not get any proper education. He did not have any multiple degrees upon this how to, you know, employing this project. 
He did not have any experience. He's not even young. He's even young, not even old enough. But what he had was courageous faith. Now let's read the Genesis chapter 41 and 45. Genesis chapter 41 and verse 45. We can read it all together. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephaniah Penea, and he gave him Asana's daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On, the, to be his wife, and Joseph took charge of all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh has given this new name, Joseph. And I had to study how to pronounce this. I'm not even sure am I pronouncing it correct or not. So, Vanayah Pinea, that's a long name. You know what that means? That means God is alive. That means God speaks. You see that? There is a big difference. Somebody who's just bold, somebody just could put this courage. That's not enough for as a Christian. We got to be a boldly faithful. We got to be courageously faithful. That's what we should have as a Christian leader. And here's the reason why. Because God is always with you. God said, I got you. Oh, you show your amazing, courageous faith. I got you. And this is a great evidence here. Even God used this king, this, this pagan king, Pharaoh, to give Joseph this new name. Can I say that? When we receive Jesus Christ as our own Savior, when we receive God as our Father, this has been given as your middle name. That means David, Zephaniah, Penea, Lee. That's my name. Actually, I've got another name. So David, Zephaniah, Penea, Zion, Lee. That's my name. That should be your middle name as well. Why we have to be courageously faithful? Because God is in charge. God is showing you. God put you this middle name. You know what? I am a living God. And I'm here for you. And I'm constantly speaking to you. That's why. Think about that. By this time, Joseph was 30 years old. And he was surrounded by all these people who are much older and experienced than Joseph was. Isn't that crazy? That God uses outsiders, someone who's probably least qualified one, someone who probably did not have any single, you know, leadership category that probably can put him into second most important position. But God used him. Why? Because he had this courageously faithful heart upon God. See, you don't have to be intimidated by what family you grew up. You don't have to be intimidated by how old or how young you are, how much or how, how little experience you have on whatever the field. Because if God put his hands upon you, if God put his hands, mighty hands upon you, God's got to use you no matter what. God's got to use you no matter what your age is. God's got to use you no matter what your experience is. God's got to use you no matter what knowledge that you have. And even no matter if you are in prison now, feel like you're stuck in prison, God can put you in a palace tomorrow. That's our God. All we need is to take this courageous faith that is upon God. You know, when I, was, uh, when I started my Master of Divinity, many of you know and I started uh, from Boston, Boston University. So I, I did my first MD, first year there, and I transferred to Golden Connell. That's literally the first study that I had, you know. That's probably a little less than a year after I landed here in America about 11 years ago. And I needed a job. 
I know, Abel, that you're working hard. You know, Marina, you guys are working hard at international students. I felt that because I was once there. You know, I mean, I really did this job because we didn't have any source of income. You know, that, I think that was the time that Mina was actually serving three churches. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, one at night, literally. So we're really full of the Holy Spirit at that time. But I really need a job. So, but, you know, as an international student, one job that I could do is in-campus work. So I was kind of looking around in-campus work, and I found the one work um, that is literally housekeeper work. Okay? Housekeeper work. Um, there are a lot of um, uh, apartment or rooms that has been prepared for the visiting scholar or the visiting families uh, in the Boston University, as I like all these big universities. And my job was after they stay there for a couple of days or a few days, I went there and, you know, make the bed and clean up all the floor and empty the trash bins and clean up the, ba- you know, <clears throat> bathrooms and everything. But, you know, as I just started as a seminarian, you know, that's when you really had full of faith. Feel like, you know what, if there's a mountain, if God says we can move the mountain, a little was going to just move the mountain with the faith. That's what you do when you started the Master of Divinity, just a newbie pastor. You know, I think that God was calling me to do best on their job. I wasn't shameful of doing all the cleaning and janitor work, but that's why I did my best. I decided to myself, you know what, I'm going to be the best housekeeper. Everybody will come. Oh, they will see me. That's, there is not even one little tiny particle of the dust. Ah, you know what? They'll be all amazed. They'll be all pleased. They'll all just deeply appreciate when they leave. That's what I did. I did my best. About a month and a half or two months later, little did I know, one of my managers came to me, and he was telling me, David, I've been watching you. Or I'm watching over you. So I feel like, have you been spying on me? You've been watching on me? But this is what he told me. After the people, the scholars, and families actually get out of their room, because uh, I was in charge of two rooms at the time, um, and they were deeply appreciated. So I feel like this is what my supervisor told me. Because of everything that you did, all your great work ethic, I know there are a lot of other experienced students are waiting for, to take this job, I'm going to give you this job. The job is pretty much in charge of the, you know, that complex. There are like 12 or 13, you know, rooms. And there are a lot of students actually cleaning and working. And what I'm going to give you in charge of that whole management work there. Just in charge of those students that feel like, you know what? I'm only here a little less than a year. My English is not even perfect. I can take that job. That was a big deal for me, a little bit of increase of my, you know, salary at the time. That was a big deal for me. Why I was able to get that job? Because I was doing my best wherever I faced on. I just didn't do that as I always complained. No, I was deeply grateful. As an international student, I can make some money. Do you know there is someone who's watching over you every single moment of your life? It doesn't matter what stage of your life or especially if you are in the down into the peak, God is with you. God is watching over you. And the same way my supervisor came to me and told me that that's what God is going to tell you if you are doing your best, whatever circumstances that you are on right now. God says, I've been watching over you because of all the great work you did. You know what? I will 
take you this great work. I'll give you this great work. I want you to fulfill for my glory. It says this here at the end of the, you know, verse 45, after he got his new name, after he got all this new status, clothings and rings and everything. And Joseph took charge of the land. Isn't that amazing? When he was just doing his best, upon whatever the slave work or prisoner work, now just interpreting work, I'm sure that he never ever imagined that interpreting the King Pharaoh's dream will get him into the second most powerful position in the nation of Egypt. But that's what happened. God is telling you, brothers and sisters, right now, God wants you to take charge. God wants you to take charge, but not the way this word is telling you to get more degree, to get more experience, you know, to get more influential to others. No, God wants you to take charge by doing best, whatever the season of your life right now, and whatever circumstance that you are facing. Because when that God's time comes, God can use you um, and then great off. The last point as a godly leadership is this walking in generosity. Can you say it with me? Walking in generosity. I know we cannot see exactly that jo- Joseph was really generous, but there are a lot of hints that we can kind of find and put that puzzle in together, seeing that how much Joseph was really generous, how he was a generous person. Let's take a look at you know, Genesis chapter 41, verse 56. First, so with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouse and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famines was severe throughout the land of Egypt. Think about that. Now, given the Joseph's character, I know he wouldn't do that, but you, you, you'll be very surprised how just genuine and humble people will exactly be changed upon their position, Right? When people are so genuine, so humble, when they have this great power, of course there are a lot of temptations. I'm sure that he was really tempted. I'm sure that he was really challenged just setting aside some for his own family, his own future family, his own life. But he didn't do that. There's no such a reference about it. He opened all the storehouse and gave to his own, the time Egyptian people. And later on, he was so generous that he was able to open their storehouse to other nations as well. Not only this, you know, we're going to fast forward and talk about a little bit about the story of this, how the Joseph family, especially brothers, will reunion with Joseph. There is a great reference here. And in Genesis chapter 42, verse 25, this is what Joseph did. Remember, this is before he made reconciliation with his brothers. It says this in verse 25, Joseph gave orders to fill their backs with grain to put each man's silver back in his sack and to give them provisions for their journey after this was done for them. There's another account after they brought Benjamin, his own brother, the, the 12 of that brothers, and he also threw this big fist and gave them enough grain. Every single time, Joseph was a man of generosity. I mean, it doesn't matter. Would you do that to your stepbrother? You're not even blood brother. Stepbrother who betrayed you almost killed you, who made the reason that you just staying this miserable life for 13 years. Would you do that? No. If I were to be a Joseph, 
And then all my brothers probably did that. Oh, I'll probably plan on all this revenge, you know, plan, and I'll probably make a smile and laugh out of it. You know what? I'll do that to you, Reuben. And you know what? You did great. Did Reuben and Judah? I'll do a little less, but other guys, oh, you're going to be experiencing hell. But Joseph didn't do that because he was a man of generosity. I think the one thing that made our nation America such a good country, you know, the country where everybody wants to come and leave that, then we've been able to be a blessing to others. Amen? The reason that this nation is so amazing, become number one nation of the whole world, because we were in following God's principle, not only to be a blessing for us, but to be a blessing to others. Think about that. You know, Book of Proverbs, actually, chapter 11, 25 says this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Amen. Isn't that so true? There's a simple truth, you know, the principle about the godly leadership that you should have is about generosity. I mean, this word leadership doesn't talk about it, right? Because they always talk about generosity after they have accumulated a lot of wealth. And then just take a little bit aside for the generosity. No, God's people, from the beginning, as we are walking through this journey with our Lord Jesus Christ, we should be generous. We, our nation, should be the blessings to others. We, as a family of our Lord Jesus Christ, should be the blessings to our community. Now, I was trying to teach um, lessons about generosity to my two-year-old daughter, Grace. She doesn't listen to me at all. He doesn't listen to, you know, Mina at all. It's very difficult. But one thing that she's been really, um, I've, been ha- I've been having a hard, hard time to teach her is whatever that she likes, you know, food or jelly, whatever that is, oh, she doesn't want to give to anyone. If I said, can you give me one jelly to daddy? Grace said, look at me and said, no. They're so, so distinctive. These are her jellies, you know, I just kind of stole from her, her back. But she, she loves, especially there are variety of colors and variety of flavors. She loves this green, and this actually, the purple one, the great one. Oh, she never, never, ever give to this purple one to anyone. I, I'm sure that Mina never had this purple, 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 great one when it comes to, you know, Grace's having it. And I was trying to teach a lesson, okay? And I was trying to teach a lesson. I told her, you know what, if... You give me one of your favorite one. Oh, she's willing to give others. One of your favorite one, I'll give you this whole bag. Okay? And of course, I failed it. I guess she's still young. But the lesson is this, that I'm going to continue on teaching her, is this, if she's willing to give something that is valuable to others, she's going to be prospered. She's going to receive all these amazing blessings from God. She is going to be refreshed. How many times we as Christians, we live our life, just try to hold our fists like this, right? Oh, this is my property. No, no, you're not going to take this one away from me. I've been working so hard. My hours and years of my life's been here. The reason that we're not getting more, perhaps more blessings from God. It's because of we're just so into what we have, right? Think about that. How God is going to be able to give you any blessings if you just put your f- fist like this. Nothing, right? All blessings just fall through. But if you are to be a generous giver, 
If you are to be the great Christian leader to walk in generosity, now what you do is you just open your palm, right? Or you give things away. You give these things away. You know what? If you need this, I'll give you. And God says, you know what? I'll give you more, right? I'll give you more. This is only happening when you open your palms. As a leader of the word of God, you got to be walking in generosity. Remember this phrase. Remember this phrase. And you're going to be on the screen. Let's try to find that, that generous. You know, the phrase is something like this. When you be the living for your life, that you'll be prosper, but when you're giving, you'll make your life. Sorry, I can't find it. I just lost my mind. But the whole principle is this, right? If you be a generous giver, if you be a generous giver to your family, to your neighbor, to your community, to your church, and to your society, God is going to give you back. That's what Joseph did. And God just, just over-blessed them. Brothers and sisters, this world, this nation is crying out for a godly leader. This church, this community are crying out for a spiritual leader. Make sure all the standards that you learn from this word doesn't apply to you. No. Make sure there is a lesson. There is a distinctive, particular qualification that God is calling out to you. Amen? May God bless you. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we learned this great lesson about this leadership, Lord. I know there is a big of difference. The difference between the earthly leadership and godly and heavenly leadership, Lord. Lord, may you really multiply all of my brothers and sisters through their faith, Lord, as they continue to be humble and faithful and continue to be walking my faith, Lord. May you bless them and guide them. This world, this nation is crying out for a godly leader. This world and nation is crying out for a spiritual leader, Lord. May we always be mindful, Lord. The spiritual leader and godly leader is not about pastor. It's not about someone who is in, holding this very important position. Someone who is in charge. No. It can be mom. can be dad. can be everyone. can be salesman. can be everyone. We can be a spiritual leader that we can follow your call and your fulfill and your guidance, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I will pray. Amen.
Let his praise rebound, every nation sing for joy and come together. Our God is strong and mighty, we will not be silent, we will defy your name, we will defy your name. this world tells you to be we are to be the leader what God is expecting what God tells you to be so that moment come the God given that intervene providence moment come that we'll be able to use greatly by the way the the phrase the quote that I actually you know was going to say is this you see we come alive when we give you make a living by what you get but you make a life by what you give make sure to be a man and woman of generosity because that is perhaps the most important trace and principle that God is wanting for you to have. Let us pray. Now, may you leave this service with this encouraging, uplifting heart, knowing that we are all called to be a leader, 
And God has given us every single principles and elements and the things that we are to be used as a great vessel and tool for His glory. Make sure that we continue to develop our spiritual excellency. Make sure that we put our courageous faith upon God. Make sure that you and us and all walk by the generosity that God has in store for us. So that when we do that, may you experience amazing, amazing victory and triumphal story and miracle that God has in store for you. May God bless you. God's people said, Amen.